Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I don't know. I was not getting any queer vibes from her yeah. whatsoever. But then she like finally at the end mentioned coming out in the eighties, and I'm like, ah, yeah, huzzah! I feel like as <laughs> we got one as like yes. queer people, we're so conditioned to like look for the cues in like fictional characters or just people in general that we're like detectives when it comes to like yes. I'll find out. I will find the tiniest sign and extrapolate it into like what yeah, I, I think know. is I'm constantly like am I projecting or is this real? Yeah. yeah. I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Diking out, diking out, diking out. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, the podcast that's been banned from conversion therapy camps near and far. I'm Carolyn Bergier. <laughs> I'm Sarah York. And today we'll be diking out with writer Muna Mira about money and class. Uh, Muna is a producer and researcher for Condé Nast and used to be a researcher at The Rundown with Robin Thede. Her writing has appeared all over the place from Teen Vogue to Vice, covering topics ranging from uh, queer healthcare to refugees to gentrification in Brooklyn. Welcome, Muna. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for coming. Um, Sarah, since we last spoke, mm-hmm. went to the Beyonce concert in Philadelphia. Wow. I did. Um, How was that? It was, oh, it was so good. So people, for everyone, people were nervous. We did have some listeners check in. It's because, been a whole thing. So yeah. I bought the ticket. I'll give you the, the, the rundown. Uh-huh. So I bought the tickets from a like a fifth party website kind of thing. Uh-huh. Along, I bought them months ago. And it said, I just like... I didn't read the fine print when I bought them because I just saw an opportunity and I was like, duh, confirm. And then I thought about it later. But they said that they were going to email me the tickets on July 26th and the show was on the 30th. So I was like, hmm, it's Ooh, a little... It was Philadelphia. Close. So it's like, yeah. I'm traveling for this. They, these tickets did not end up in my email inbox until three hours before the show. Wow. Like I was in fully in Philadelphia with my friends that I, I took my friend Megan to the show um, and she and her husband and their tiny baby came to Philadelphia. We got an Airbnb and I was like, I didn't even mention it the whole time. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to create a panic. I know the tickets are coming because I had called. Uh, I guess every she doesn't day listen to week. diking out. Yeah, she well, they, they do, but I and I kind of told them like, hey, you know, whatever. But I didn't, I didn't tell them like how down to the wire it was. Oh, and God. and I had called this ticket service literally every single day that that whole week. I was like, hey. um, it's me again. Like <laughs> I still haven't gotten like, Oh yeah. And they were so casual about it. They were like, mm, yeah, we'll, we'll email them to you. And I was like, okay, but I, you understand like why I'm so nervous about this. Right. And they're like, yeah. And I was like, okay, so, so that's it. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, great. Like I, I'm so bad at like accomplishing things over the phone with people sometimes, but it yeah. was just like very, they were casuals. So then I felt a little better, but yeah, I fucking went to Philadelphia. I would have been, I was just, looking at my phone like where are these tickets and then finally I got an email and I think the reason for it is that they don't want you to resell them Mm. yeah okay so whatever but it's like I 
I, that was, I will never do that again. That was too much. Like I will deal with Ticketmaster's bullshit if it right. means that I get them physically in my hand. Yeah. Right when I purchase them. Time. Yeah. That's what the like $75 per ticket fee is on Ticketmaster. Yeah. yeah. They're like, <laughs> it's just sure. your peace of mind, yeah. which I paid like twice that much with this play. I don't know. It was in hindsight, I I went about it the wrong way, but I'm very glad that I did anyway because it was an amazing show. Yeah. She puts on a, I mean, this is just an entertainer. Like, that is just what she is. She, every single second of the show was like a work of art. Like, the little, the the little, like, um, like video, I guess they, it's almost like a series of videos that they play between songs that are sort of one theme. And that was like, Mm-hmm. Amazing! It was just oh my god! It was what, so great. What was the mix between Beyonce solo, Jay Z solo, and them together? Um, they basically they almost traded off. Like okay, sh- they would do. He was on stage for almost every. I mean, he he was only off stage. I think for, I think for a couple songs, but I'm or also I just didn't notice because I was really into only Jay-Z focusing on her. And his feminine suits lately. But, yeah, he that. wore like he wore some He's pretty rad these, suits. Like, Those like the pastel colors. He looks yeah, great. And yeah, kind of like it's almost like this yeah. deep V feminine deep cut. cut. Yeah, yeah and for I'm sure. Like, you are like more it's almost of a this man, like eighties <laughs> vibe. It's really it's cool. I love but it. yeah, um, I love it. So he so they would basically he did like a couple of his really big hits from like older albums, and yeah. then she did. Um, she did a lot, but then the ones that they did together were like the kind of the one, you know, like drunk in love and like some other, um, yeah, but yeah, like basically if she was doing like a full outfit change, he would just do one of his old songs from one of his albums, mm. like old, old ones, yeah. mm-hmm. which is kind of like, that makes sense. It's like songs he's performed live probably 500 times yeah. and doesn't need to like do much for them. Plus, he knows most people are there for Beyonce. Yeah. Right. Oh, it was obvious. <laughs> he knew that he was like the intermission entertainer. Like, sure he, he was this humble. is Beyonce yeah. featuring Jay Z. Right. Like, you're right. welcome. The Carters. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> you guys are the Knowles Carters, right. sir. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, but but he was great. Um, it was funny because there was a, the guy sitting directly next to me was like clearly only there for Jay Z. He was he was with like his wife or girlfriend or whatever, but. Uh, <laughs> So she was like flipping out for the the entire show, but he was just like kind of quiet. And then when Jay Z would come on, he was like, "My man, Jay Z!" But he was the only person in the whole section who was like <laughs> screaming for Jay Z. Everyone else was like checking their phones. <laughs> I mean, it was great. It was a great show, but yeah. I, but like you know, if I had if I went on a beer run, I timed it for a Jay Z song. Yeah, definitely. You know, oh, definitely. Sure. The concession stands were a little busier during the Jay Z song. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> It was amazing. I'm so happy that I went, um, but I will never go through eventticketcenter.com ever again, unless they <laughs> want to sponsor us, in which case I will. Yeah, so. that's the only way that, that will endorse them again never. is if they sponsor like, us. Like, don't give play us with my emotions like that. That was, that was cruel. I would have thought it was a scam. Yeah. I know. Many of our listeners <laughs> were concerned. Yeah, like, I've, been, I've been talking about this for like eight episodes. <laughs> this is the conclusion. And when I, So I posted a, a picture like on the... Diking out account mm-hmm. and people were like, "Oh, thank God, that they, thank, yeah, thank God she actually she's there. Me. Great, yeah." <laughs> uh, was uh, was Gloria there? No, no, nobody was there. Like this was the Philly show, and I think this was like the show after the DC one, I believe, where yeah. like the Obamas were. Mm-hmm. Um, well, one of the shows the Obamas attended, but I don't believe anyone. I imagine Gloria Carter doesn't Philly. like tour around with them, but at yeah. the same time, like. 
I need to know more. I Is know. She single? I know. Yeah. We, are, we, we really need. need more on Gloria. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. She's our only chance for, if, if you want to be Beyonce's mother-in-law, you have yeah. to go through Gloria <laughs> and uh, there could be a real opportunity there Absolutely. for the right lady. Sign me up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're all waiting for. Yeah. Um, Last night, I went to go see uh, a movie called The Miseducation of Cameron Post, mm-hmm. which is about, um, it's about conversion, conversion therapy, therapy right? camp. Yeah. 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 So it's based off, off a, like a teen novel that I read, and I really, really liked it. And of course, the movie is a little bit different. But before I get into the movie, a couple things. We got to the movie theater with our movie pass, which is hanging on by a thread, but we are yeah. still... <laughs> We are contributing to that twelve cents a share yeah. <laughs> stock price um, by still using our movie pass where we can. And um, we were in line, and there was this woman, and I guess like her boyfriend, maybe just a date, who knows? But he was like older and kind of schlubby, and she looked like she could have done way better, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we weren't sure if we had to like wait in the line or if we could use the the kiosks. So I said to Cecilia, you know, I'll keep the spot in line, see if you can use the kiosk. And then the woman in front of me turns to her boyfriend. She said, oh, do you think we should maybe just use the kiosk? And he goes, just relax, okay? Oh, God. And I'm like... <laughs> The wit- and then she just kind of like cowered. Like the number of times I, I see this, but yeah. it was like the most innocuous question that she was yeah. asking. And then he was like, just relax, as if she was like, oh my God, I didn't think we should use the kiosk. Yeah. Like, as if she like started a small fire instead of like said something, and, yeah. you know, instead of used her words. Yeah. That hurts oh, my soul. And he's like, right? again with the fire. <laughs> yeah. Like- and just to see, it just like breaks my heart for. Yeah women who just like put up with that all the time like the way that i hear these dudes talk to their their mm-hmm. women it's so hard for me not to butt in and be like you you don't have to let them talk to you like that yeah <laughs> like my oh i just have i to know that sucks those are the women that are like if they're away. even remotely attracted to other women that's gonna be that's gonna be her last boyfriend <laughs> like <laughs> God, i hope so it's over <laughs> just like Oh, yeah. that sucks. God forbid she makes a good suggestion. Yeah. Um, another thing, before the movie started, there was a preview that I was practically jumping out of my seat over, and it's for the new uh, Lizzie Borden movie, and <gasps> I don't know if anybody's seen the preview for it. No. I have seen, like, stills on Twitter. The preview? Who's who's playing Lizzie Borden? Chloe Seventy, really? Yeah, and K Stewart. Yeah, K Stewart. Really? They have. I mean, unless they put all the scenes in the previews, but the queer factor of this movie is like yeah. through the roof. <laughs> They're like, let's tell the Lizzie Borden story, but have like the hottest um, like lesbian yeah. sex from like an. This is going to be amazing. Yesteryear. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw a great tweet that was like, I too would axe murder somebody to win <laughs> Kristen Stewart's affection. Yeah. yeah. Um, honestly, That's amazing. this preview was incredible. And the chemistry between the two of them, 
I mean, I don't know if it was like how they shot it, but I was like, my mind was literally exploding. So like, it it is so fucking hot. (laughs) Is Kristen playing the woman who was like the housekeeper or whatever? Yeah, 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 yeah. Who they think like I. I recently, I don't, I don't remember why. Do you ever just fall into like a Wikipedia wormhole and mm-hmm. just like for hours? But I read about the Lizzie Borden thing and that was my first thought. I was like, oh, obviously this woman that lived in the house was like conspiring with her because they were together, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. That was like what I came up with in my head. Mm-hmm. And that's why she killed her oppressive dad and stepmom or whoever. And I know they, they made like a made for TV movie with Christina Ricci not too long ago where oh, she yeah. played Lizzie Borden. And I was like, I was excited about that, but then I never watched it. I think it got bad reviews, but I've always liked Christina Ricci ever since she, yeah. she played a little lesbian and now and then. And uh, <laughs> she did <laughs> and grew up in the Rosie O'Donnell, but still wasn't a lesbian in that movie, whatever. And <laughs> I think one of the people I, I'm in the show called a uh, queer film theory 101. Probably like if you're listening to this right now, I'm probably like on a stage the second. Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to publish this right before I walk on stage. And um, the other person said he was going to do now and then is like oh, okay. a queer movie. I'm doing my girl. It's a whole nother tangent. We'll talk about <laughs> another time. Um, well, but, definitely excited for the Lizzie Borden movie. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, th- this seems like the right, casting for it yeah and it comes out this fall and i'm Great. gonna be talking about it a lot so the miseducation of um cameron post in the in the book there's like a lot more lead up before she actually gets sent to camp mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you get a lot more of a feeling for like who she is and like there was a lot of it when i read it that felt like very relatable to like actually reminded me a lot of my first girlfriend and kind of what i projected was her experience with Mm -hmm. uh with coming out but like also a little bit of mine and things just like when you're young and you realize that maybe you're queer you seek out queer content and then you like obsess over it and like you'll you know about like the most obscure things Mm -hmm. in pop culture and but also like trying not and and then you hear someone else mention it and then you're like is that person too you know Mm -hmm. um but this movie kind of starts like right off the bat with like her hooking up with her friend and then like getting caught and um getting sent to the camp Mm -hmm. and goes right into that and it's it's okay. I mean, it it's a good movie, mm-hmm. but um like it it was fun to watch. It could have used an ending. It just kind of ends yeah. and you're like, "Oh." Mm-hmm. Okay. But um it's Chloe um what's her name? Chloe Grace Moritz oh, plays yeah. the lead and she does a very good job. She seems like a very convincing uh lesbian and um there are good sex scenes in it mm-hmm. and she seems to really be enjoying her time with women in that film uh her, her roommate <laughs> is played by uh emily skeggs from um fun home oh okay um and she's really good in the role that she's supposed to play there are a couple of other actors uh sasha lane and forrest good luck um who are like more interesting characters i don't know i, I do recommend seeing it because it, it is really cool and like it's not this like horrifying gay conversion mm-hmm. camp where they like, you know, make you watch things and hook you up to electrodes or mm-hmm. like they which does use happen, physical but it's punishment. Not in this. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So this one is more just like find Jesus and you're just confused about your gender and mm-hmm. like let's get at the real reason of why you're acting out in this way and you're sinning and stuff like that. But it does have like obviously serious 
consequences mm-hmm. and its emotional abuse, but the film, because it's kind of based on a teen novel, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I remember the the novel being like a little bit more more jarring. Mm-hmm. Um, it was still good though, and there's like a lot of lady kissing and fucking. So great, um, you know. <laughs> I know that's what you guys want to know, listeners. <laughs> like they're like, get to the point. <laughs> yeah, is there finger banging? Yes, yeah. there is. Yes. There is. <laughs> It does make me uncomfortable in movies about teens when, like, the, the actors aren't teens, so then they, like, show their boobs, and I'm like, but you're supposed but you're to be teens. in high school, so yeah. now I feel like I just saw, like, a high schooler's boob, yeah, and I'm weird. feeling, like, very not good about this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Why is Great. that a thing? That I don't know. I, I think I want to see that. I don't know. I, I get really, like, I get really uncomfortable at the, what's that? She's in Montana. Oh, That's like a big part God. of it too. I wonder yeah. if it was like a rural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there, there's a big part in the book, and this isn't really a, a spoiler, but um, so her her parents are dead, and she mm. lives with her religious aunt, and they don't really get into any of this. But um, in the book, there's this whole big thing where it's like the first time she ever kissed a girl was when she was 12, mm-hmm. and that night her parents had gotten like a car accident and were killed. Oh, okay. So part of her always wondered if that was God punishing her for kissing a girl. So like that, that was like this big psychological thing that in the book kind of underpins it. And even though like she doesn't want to buy into this conversion camp because she's not really ashamed. Yeah. She's not necessarily ashamed of being gay or like she, she knows that that's like who she is. Yeah. Um, but then this part of like, but is God punishing me and am I like disgusting and is this what I deserve for having these feelings like doesn't come out in the movie okay. like it should. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. But anyway, you were saying it makes you uh, nervous. I just like ugh, that whole the conversion therapy stuff is so like traumatic. Like it's so I have zero experience with that, but it's just I don't even know if I want to watch like even the most lighthearted approach to it on yeah. a screen. Like I really it's hard enough that those exist, let alone. Yeah, they do it with like enough levity. Like, there's enough mm-hmm. like funny lines yeah. between the the okay. campers, I guess. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. or they call them disciples, which is kind of weird. Yeah, <laughs> but there there are enough like kind of funny moments. Okay, um, there's like the the one girl does <laughs> these exercises, but it's called like blesser size. Instead of mm. exercise, and it's like exercising to be like closer to God's image. Yikes! <laughs> I still wouldn't be motivated to do those. Yeah, I can't do regular exercise, much less spiritual ones. <laughs> um, I watched, I rewatched Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion yesterday, and classic. Cla- I mean, so good. Still holds up. Mm-hmm. Twenty years old. Yeah, this movie is still. It might actually, I think it's closer to twenty-five years old, and it is. So amazing. Uh, Janine Garofalo's character, so amazing. And I have decided that, so you know the three, or the four mean popular girls and how the one like grows up to be like a fashion editor at Vogue and she's the one that comes out and like at the end kind of, you know, like turns against the other mean girls and is like, actually those outfits are amazing and whatever. I've kind of just invented her in my head as a queer character now. Oh. So Mm -hmm. that made the movie much better because I was like, I want a spinoff movie about just her life. (laughs) She is the one one that, her name is, uh, oh, I forgot her name. I don't remember. Damn it. It's like Elaine. Elaine, she was a character actress in the 90s and was she was the the mean stepmom in Parent Trap, the Lindsay Lohan one. Oh, yeah. She, yeah, she was in, yeah. so she was like kind of always like the bitchy blonde in, mm-hmm. that was like her archetype, but yeah. in Romeo and Michelle, 
she is the formerly bitchy blonde popular girl in high school and then becomes like the the businesswoman who didn't get married and pregnant and like yeah. turns on the popular girls. And I was like, yes, I love her. So that was my big revelation yesterday was that I've created the fact that she's a queer character in my head. Why wasn't Janine Garofalo a queer character in that movie? I don't know. That, that part was always like, because she was the one that would make more sense as like a queer character, but she was obsessed with Sandy Frank. Yeah. And then she ends up hooking up with the cowboy played by Justin Thoreau at yeah. the end. And he's like, He's like, yeah, it's so, it's so good. I loved it so much. I'm very happy that I watched it again. I also watched Death Becomes Her. I watched a lot of movies yesterday, but um, Death Becomes Her. It's like, I need to rewatch that. It's good. It's uh, darker than I remember. I haven't watched it in a long time and it's like a really dark movie, but it's really, really funny. Yeah. So I don't know. It's probably the only movie I've ever thought Bruce Willis was actually funny in. And he's been in a few that have been sort of billed as comedies, but he, I don't think he's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's amazing. Is that that film about like plastic surgery? Yeah, yeah. Like the the two. So like one Meryl Streep marries Bruce Willis because she like steals him from Goldie Hawn. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. And she's an actress, yeah. and she takes the potion to live forever. And Isabella Rossellini is in it, and she's so hot. And like she's this like two hundred year old woman who like is hot because of this potion yeah, and they live forever. So the whole thing is like they live forever, but they both end up dying at some point. So their bodies are dead, but they are alive. So they like decompose and it's weird. It's a fucking weird movie, but it's really good. I like completely rewrote that narrative in my head. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I mean, like, it, I, cause he is a plastic surgeon. Cause like, I think they, she like the whole thing is supposed to be like a lesson about vanity or whatever. But, yeah. um, but yeah, like, Bruce Willis is a is a um uh like a court or not a he's a mortician so he like makes dead bodies look good so they mm-hmm. need Bruce Willis to keep to keep up their appearance but then he ends up dying of course and they live forever and it's it's funny it's it's one of those movies where I I love these movies that have like two like iconic diva actresses in this case Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn that I'm mm-hmm. obsessed with and they just get to be silly and hilarious and I feel like we don't really make I don't know. Like we're not really making movies like that anymore with like these older actresses who can just be so funny, you know, like Hocus Pocus or things like that, where it was mm-hmm. like Bette Midler just being like basically just a theater broad in this movie. And mm-hmm. it was, well, it sounds like Mamma Mia too might yeah, be Yeah, that. that's true. I think that right. As I said that I was like, I think this is what Mamma Mia is, but, but Mamma Mia or movie passes still <laughs> charging a surcharge. If you want to see really, yeah, they're trying. Mia, so I got to wait. <laughs> You're going to die on this hill, aren't you? (laughs) Movie pass. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to... You're going to go out swinging. (laughs) It was my mission to help contribute to their demise. Yeah. Uh, It was was a long road of movie pass. Like, I signed up and they didn't um, send me a card. Mm -hmm. And then they kept being like, wait for it, wait for it. But then my wife who signed up after me got her card, like, right away. Mm Mm-hmm. Which Carolyn took personally. Yeah. <laughs> and I kept being like, I'm pr- pretty sure you guys forgot to send my card, so just send me a new card. And they're like, I'm pretty sure you just need to wait. I'm like, all right. You know, it's you're like, been well, your like business model weeks. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And then. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I have been like holding off on seeing movies in theater mm-hmm. because I'm like, any day I'm going to get my movie pass. So mm-hmm. why pay like $16 today when right. I'm going to be able to see it, quote unquote, for free? And it turns out pass. Mm-hmm. none of it is viable. So, well, you know, for the way that we see movies, though, like in in New York City, at 
$10 a month for a movie pass, seeing one movie a month makes it worth it. It, It more than pays for itself. And then the movies I see anyway, like I don't see blockbusters on opening weekend. Mm -hmm. So I do see more like indie movies or movies at like the smaller theaters. And those are still covered. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Like I'm really excited to go see the new Mission Impossible movie. I'm hearing good things. I know because Morgan Miller, our past guest, saw it and yeah. had some funny Instagram stories. Tom Cruise uh, for being such an insufferable human being. I just I love the Mission Impossible movies. It's like my one embarrassing thing that I'm like I will I will always be a fan for these movies. They're so good and they're so entertaining and the stunts are cool. I'm just like I'm so dazzled by it. But everything else about him is bizarre. <laughs> so. That's my Tom Cruise thing. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Rosie O'Donnell had a Tom Cruise yeah. thing. <laughs> That's true. So can you. Yep. So can you. We have a lot in common. All right. Let's get into our topic. Yeah. Money. Money. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think this is an what interesting is it? one. Let's yeah. start with there. What is, what is it? So it's a form of, so basically currency is exchanged for goods and services, and that's how we live. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is an interesting one because, like you were saying earlier, as like creatives, um, especially freelance people or everything, it's always just this like constant, constant worry for people in the, in the creative world. Although I do not do freelance, I, have, I just, I have a day job at a restaurant, but like if I didn't, I'd literally don't know how I would live like that's just you know so um yeah I don't know that's my that's my two cents um I think it's hard because it's like something that people aren't comfortable talking about Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways yeah um which just kind of like obscures the reality of what's happening Mm -hmm. so you know I tweeted out something the other day about I was this actually I had uh, a person that I know in my like friendly professional life that was, I guess, maybe like a little embarrassed about the fact that they like waited tables or like babysat um, Mm -hmm. in order to like write and like keep doing their writing and their comedy and stuff. And I don't know, I guess I just felt like really upset by that. And so I Mm -hmm. tweeted out that, you know, it's, you know, it's pretty ridiculous to make people feel, you know, a type of way for pursuing whatever day job they have. Yeah. Um, When, like, you know, a lot of people, their parents just pay their rent. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was that, I don't know if you guys remember that big um, to-do about, like, the Refinery29 person. Um, Is that a series that they have where they kind of follow? Exactly. It's It's like a series called Money Diaries where they just talk about how women spend their money, basically. Mm -hmm. Um. And it was like this. Per- the the headline was just like really misleading. This person was like, "Oh, this is how I survive in New York City on twenty five an hour or something like that." But really, it was like, uh, you know, my parents give me an allowance. Yeah, they, they pay like, my rent. And it's like, well, parents cover this, this, and this. Yeah, and this is how uh, I do. It's like, I mean, I was looking for apartments recently, and one of the listings. I just I can't get over this. This is it's just. One of the listings was like, we want, um, you have to bring your own guarantor to the apartment because we want our parents to like split liability equally, as in like our parents will both be like paying for this and not just guarantors, but like paying for it. Whoa. Um, and it's just like, I don't know. I feel like there's just. Do you think there are more people than we know that are like in our age 
range and, you know, in the creative field that who's, who, whose parents are paying their rent and they just don't talk about it. Yes. I think there are tons. I think there are tons of people. Everybody who works in fashion. everywhere, honestly. Not, I mean, so many people, and and I've just heard this from, uh, others I know who have worked in, in fashion is Mm -hmm. that a really sucky thing about that industry is that, um, it's so competitive that so many people are willing to take these unpaid internships or are willing to, mm-hmm. um, to even for, and for free, freelance writing, especially, I mean, that's, we'll cover that because that's like a very frustrating, um, thing that that's coming to light right now with like unit unionizing. Um, but, but yeah, it's like, you can't, it, if you don't come from money, you can't compete with these people right. that are willing to work for nothing because they and can. because they can. Yeah. And it's because their parents have, uh, you know, paid for everything and yeah. paid for the rent. So it doesn't like they can take those kind of risks that people who, who don't have that like huge, huge, uh, safety net, yeah. mm-hmm. um, can't do. So there are a lot of people I know who like at one time or like they went to school for fashion, they thought they were going to go into fashion and then they, they got out and learned that this is the reality mm-hmm. and that it's kind of hard to compete with. And then they find, mm-hmm. they have to find other things to do yeah. mm-hmm. and that, that sucks. But going, so, so you're a freelance writer and uh, you know, a lot of the attempts for freelancers to unionize have just resulted in like layoffs now right, right? Yeah. yeah I mean I, I don't know too much about this situation so I don't know if you want to kind of give a summary of what's been going on yeah I mean I I guess I I can't really speak to like people getting laid off as much but I can speak to the fact that um freelancers just like exist in this like precarious position where when you advocate for yourself, essentially, in the job, you are told that you're replaceable. And then people just, like, go out and replace you with someone else. And, you know, I think part of that is, like, people really want to work in these industries, like, fashion or publishing. Um, And the reality is, like, nobody's parents should be subsidizing this. Like, you should pay people a living Mm -hmm. wage. Yeah. and I guess there's, you know, there are permalancers too, right? Like, I feel like a large part of, um, so I guess let me distinguish between, like, p- pure freelance and, like, permalance. Mm-hmm. So, like, freelance freelance is, like, uh, I'm going to, you know, pitch this project and I'm going to, like, get a contract for this one-off project and we're going to do that. And then, like, permalance is, okay, I'm going to, like, basically contract you out to, you know, fill this role for weeks on end, you're an at-will employee, essentially, you just don't have benefits. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think maybe what you're talking about is some of the permalancers trying to unionize, like at MTV, for example. Um, And, you know, they they just laid all of those people off and then later were soliciting pitches and and such in a very bold move. Oh, yeah. You know? Just using Twitter to, like, basically crowdsource pitches and and whole you know whole projects and and some, a lot of people did hopefully point out retweeted it and said like nobody send them shit because they just fucking laid off all these people and now they want free content from I, I, you know freelancers who they're probably not going to pay so yeah it, it's like they say that or going back to like the the writers guild strike uh mm-hmm. years ago when all those shows um like weren't being written and then they were or they were written terribly. You can tell in 
season five of The Office when that happened, or season four, I think it was. But yeah, I remember that strike when they were when they went off for a while, and then they kind of came back, and then they started again. So there, but there were a bunch of things like you know, do not do not cross the the strike line. Or, yeah, um, but. If you're if you're a writer who's been like desperate for a break and then you see it as like you're only in and this could be like yeah. your only shot, can you really blame that per I mean it sucks. I I I would like to say like I personally wouldn't do that, but yeah. then again, like mm-hmm. But then again, like who of knows? course I would. <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah if, if that opportunity uh, comes your way and nobody, you know, you feel like you haven't had opportunities up until that point, mm-hmm. then, um, but then that, that sucks for all the other people who are trying to stand for what's right. So it creates this really... I mean, I think that's, that's for me, I'm like, you should always blame the conditions that made this person yeah. so desperate mm-hmm. to like yeah. want to like cross this picket line or whatever. But I think also you have to consider... Um, in the long term, is it going to help you if, you know, you're maybe hampering, like, the efforts to, like, make the workplace better? Yeah. Um, so it's like, it's, you know, you have to make that calculation for yourself. It's like, okay, I, you know, I need this job now. So it, uh, is it worth it mm-hmm. to yeah. me, essentially? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I I, I think that, that's the problem is like we always point to the person we're like oh my god you did this like shitty thing yeah where it's like okay well why were they forced to do that in the first place you know um is permalancing the way that most like media outlets employ people like is that generally how it goes like you don't work like let's say for like slate like i don't work for slate i work i'm I'm a temporary like contract employee essentially. I mean, it depends on the company. I know that a lot of companies do use permalancers um, mm-hmm. uh, to supplement their core staff, just because people. I mean, they've there have been layoffs with like staff. I just it's like a dying animal if mm-hmm. we're being honest about yeah. it, you know. And so publishing is. I don't know. It's kind of like in a dire position right now. Yeah. But this is also bigger than publishing. I think people don't get paid for, you know, all kinds of writing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 And in I mean, in comedy there's been this ongoing debate with um theaters like UCB and the Pit that don't pay their performers. Yeah. And it costs money to not only like not only at UCB, it's like Scientology, like you have to pay and yeah. get through the levels and you kind of have to be like all in um, oh, yeah. or else what's the point. And then right. um, if you do get on a team, especially a sketch team, is you have to pay um, a director and then you have to yep. pay for the rehearsal space and then you have to pay for all the props. But you don't get paid for putting on the show every week. Mm-hmm. And then like in return, they might throw um, opportunities to like write packets for shows on your plate. And I know. And that's a big mite. That's like it's a big mite. I mean, I do know a lot of people who have gone on from the house sketch teams to work at like the Tonight Show and work on SNL. And I imagine their mm-hmm. involvement with the UCB had something to do with, um, yeah, with them getting those jobs. But it's not ever. I mean, there are a lot of people on these teams, and um, they're not all getting full time jobs <laughs> at, uh, mm-hmm. at SNL and elsewhere. So I mean, UCB kind of recognized this, and then they have their um, their scholarship programs for taking classes. Mm-hmm. But then there's like this other barrier that, um, especially for for people of color, mm-hmm. is like taking or like once you get on a team that you know it's not. 
affordable and you and you look at the teams and they you know they keep they keep trying and they they have like groups and like a diversity mm-hmm. person and and like i i know that they they really are trying but then it's like this you have to recognize that like this financial bar- barrier in terms of mm-hmm. like who um comes from money and who doesn't i mean it, it living in new york city it's such an interesting thing the the disparity of of wealth and mm-hmm. um yeah being somewhat like you know when when i moved here like i was like i i have to have a job that has like insurance that pays me x amount of money because i i don't oh like, yeah like my parents don't have money so i right. i don't get any like i pay my mom's cell phone bill yeah like, like i'm uh, i'm one like if i missed a paycheck that would be I would be in absolute like ruin. Like I would not be able to recover from that. And that's, but I think that's like probably the position a lot of people, a lot more people are in than want to admit to it. But that's reality for almost everyone that I know at least. And the ones who aren't in that position, I'm pretty sure it's because their parents pay their rent. And going back to like the UCB thing and like how people sort of rise up through comedy, not always, but there are a few people who when you know who have made it and who are you know have Netflix specials and who are on you know shows and everyone you know are on are a household name or whatever that if you read about where they come from and like their past a little bit you're there's sort of a trend mm-hmm. so it's so and so's parents are you know dad's an anesthesiologist and mom is a lawyer and it's like yeah. oh I wonder how you had time to fucking audition and be on all these house teams and all this stuff it's because you and it's not that I have, I don't have proof of that, but it's, it's, it's just something, it's a detail to look out for when sure. you are, I'm 32 and I'm like, well, John Mulaney is like 35, you know, yeah. and like, look at him, but I'm pretty sure he comes from money, you know, like, yeah, and right. like, I'm, I love, I'll just, here's an example. I love Ellie Kemper. I think she's very, very talented. I think Kimmy Schmidt's hilarious. I fucking loved her in Bridesmaids. I loved her in The Office. I think she's very talented. Mm-hmm. She comes from a family that's like one of the wealthiest families in the state of Missouri. There's arenas. There's an there's an arena in Kansas City called the Kemper Arena. Like that's I had no she's idea. an extreme. I she comes know. from an extremely yeah. wealthy background, and it's like okay. So there you go. So like there's there's so much talent, but I wonder how much of that we'll never see because certain people can. It is a luxury to be able to be on house teams yeah. to be able to. To be able to fucking write, like honestly, yeah. it is. I've met yeah. people on a New York comedy scene who like family of billionaires, billionaires, not even talking yeah. millions. You have billions of. They're money. out there, and they'll never admit to it. But oh yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't admit because no one thinks if it's funny. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's no one like, will you tell get... you. No one will ever admit that their parents pay every cent of their bills plus. Well, stipend or whatever. I mean, this person has like kind of slowly admitted that that they do get help from their parents in mm-hmm. order to be like, you know, it's not um, like I, they didn't want to create this illusion that they're just like hustling so hard or anything like that because they don't have a day job. And mm-hmm. they're like, right. I rely on help from my parents. I don't do this right. alone. Yeah. Um, but but like in the conversation that that sparked um, – was was very interesting because it is this mix of like you know even Amy Poehler was like I didn't have health insurance for years I made like I like she was waitressing and, yeah. and stuff like that and um but then you have other people who who don't have that whatsoever so yeah. it is kind of this weird 
but but what do you you know? It's not your fault that you were born into a family. No, of it's like not. It's a it's, ton of money. And if I was born into a family of a ton of money, I wouldn't have my day job. I yeah. would a hundred percent be taking money from my parents Absolutely. if they had it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, I'm it's, actually open to other patrons too. So if yes. anyone wants to anyone anyone my art, yeah. I'm PayPal. wide open. Yeah. I will put my PayPal link on this episode. I don't. I'm. I have no shame. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's it's. I I feel like it's kind of goes back to that general like privilege conversation that people are not willing to, ad, you know, people are not willing to acknowledge. I won't even say admit. Acknowledge right that privilege. Pay, you know, plays a role in where oh. they start. If you start life, That's very you start your career yes. on third base. Yeah. Yes, you're probably, you're, I mean, you are talented. And, I, and the people I've mentioned by name, Ellie Kemper and John Mulaney, wildly talented mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Wildly. Yes. But funny. Yeah. would John Mulaney have, have been a writer on SNL at 24 if he had, if he was paying his mm-hmm. way? You know, I just, mm-hmm. I, I have a, I, again, I don't know if that's the case, but people who achieve the kind of success in this world at a really young age, mm-hmm. you have to think to yourself, you can't use their story as like a baseline if you are completely financially responsible for yourself because that's often not the reality. Like you have to kind of adjust for those factors. hundred percent, yeah. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. And then there are like miracle people who have no support from their parents mm-hmm. and still have that job at yeah. 23, 24. Yeah. Um, which... Janelle Monae. Yeah. <laughs> She's a miracle. Oh, really? Well, she, she grew up in... I want to say Missouri. I feel like she's from the South. Well, she lived in Atlanta. Atlanta is like where she came up on the the music scene. Oh, okay. But I think she's from like outside St. Louis. Oh, okay. Uh, originally. But I know that, yeah, she had like a maybe like lower middle mm-hmm. class upbringing. And like her dad wasn't in the picture for a while. But like I think now things are, are kind of better. But yeah. like she... You know, but those stories fucking and made it happen. Yeah, those stories, like, and those stories are, are few so and far rare. Between. Yeah, yeah, they're so rare. It, it's interesting what you brought up before, um, in terms of like people being ashamed of like admitting that they they babysit, um, but like also people who have their parents pay for things are ashamed to admit that because they they kind of know they know it's mm-hmm. not fair and they know that they're benefiting from a system mm-hmm. uh, at least like on the very high end so they don't want to admit it or talk about that and then um, th- this weird thing about New York is like you do have so many friends who are uh, dog walkers or um, so like everybody works in the service industry mm-hmm. um, everybody does really random things to make ends meet people like in comedy they 
do what's called barking, which is just like standing on the sidewalk, handing out flyers mm-hmm. for, you know, mm-hmm. like literally you'll do that for two hours and maybe get 10 bucks. Like it's, it can be. Mm-hmm. I want better for comedians. I'm just yeah. going to say it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Uh, it is, it is rough for, for comedians and yeah. making money. A lot of them are like, um, tour bus operators. Oh yeah. Like no, I give tours around. I've worked with actors before who are like, that's what they do because yeah. it involves some level of performance and sure. they had, they have to like audition for those jobs. Oh yeah. And they yeah, get yeah, those, yeah. you know, so it's like, but, but if you, ugh, if you take it too. out of the concept of New York city though, like I've heard people and, and seen it online, make comments like, Oh, you know, ran into an old ex-boyfriend and now he's a manager of Chipotle. So I guess I win. And I'm like, uh, kind of like fuck you for making yeah. fun of dude for being a. He um, probably makes more than I do. A manager, Chipotle. <laughs> I guarantee he does. But like you know that I think this thing of being classist, like it, it's so weird because it's like you won't shame your friend for being a dog walker, but then if somebody you know is a manager at like Payless Shoes, mm-hmm. then you're like, oh my god, like dudes. Like, what only does it matter a- what you do for money? Like it really doesn't. Yeah. It's like we're like I don't know. It, it it just seems like judging people for for how they make their money. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as they're like the people I want to judge for how they make their money are the people in finance who just move numbers around and exactly. falsely yeah. inflate yeah, things exactly. and then make billions of dollars and, at the you know and fuck people and, out of their and pensions and whatever. People yeah. out of their pensions. Like, yeah, that's right. my problem with how you make money. If you make right. money uh, grilling like uh, you know dirty water hot dogs or whatever like I mean yeah exactly there's nothing wrong with that it's and it's funny like we the other thing too about the whole like you know people who kind of come up young in a a tough industry it's like you also have to think about like what sort of debt do they have like if I didn't have student loan debt I would have an entirely different life than the one Mm -hmm. they have but I did but I don't or but I you know but I do have that so that is another yet another barrier yeah and that's the big thing. That's the thing that I want to scream in a fucking megaphone at baby boomers who talk about our generation. Like, oh, you, it's all that avocado toast is why you don't have money for retirement. It's like, no, because your fucking generation, like, inflated every, every. Destroyed cost, everything. Destroyed yeah. it. Like, every cost of every single thing has gone through the roof. Medical care, education has increased exponentially in cost in the last 30, 20 years, 20, 30 years housing. Yeah. But wages have stagnated Mm -hmm. and it's, I'm so fucking tired of people who either don't have any experience with that sort of debt or people who are old enough to say things like, well, I worked and paid my way through college. Yeah. That's because they, that's because tuition was a reasonable amount back then. Yeah. So that's another, that's kind of another factor that you have to kind of consider when, and I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sitting here like critiquing people who don't have these things holding them back. That's not, but don't critique yourself if you aren't at their, at their level yet. And you do have all these things. Like Mm -hmm. you have to understand like the playing field is Is very different level. And you know, yeah, that I, I don't, uh, I don't get the, um, I guess the assumption that I'm saying, well, you suck if your parents have money, you know, like I'm not saying that at all. Like, you're lovely. It's yeah. just this isn't fair right. fundamentally. Yeah. And you have to acknowledge that. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and it sucks because I think that the way people think about like creative things is, you know, ideally like in a vacuum, it would really just be about talent or mm-hmm. like are you actually just funny or can you actually write? Sure. Um and I just it doesn't work like that. It yeah. doesn't work like that. And it works it comes down to who who can work for free and for how long. Yeah. You know? Like that's what it is. Especially in in in, a, in the field in any sort of creative like editorial writing situation, it is like who who like if you can work for free for an extended period of time, that will be your advantage, and that's it. Yeah. And there is no other like. I'm sure you're good, but yeah. there are a lot of people out there who are good. We just can't afford to work for free, and that is the most like. That's like peak capitalism to me. It's people expecting you to do a job for nothing. That blows my mind. Oh, yeah. I mean, when I went to college, people were were having like internships in New York City and L.A. over the summer. I'm like, how do you have an unpaid internship in those cities? Mm -hmm. Like, I went went back to Buffalo and worked at Ryder Truck Rentals like a good lesbian does. Like, I was renting out (laughs) big box trucks. Like, I would love to go work for, you know, work for a network or something for free, but I can't do it because the hours that they want for something like that, it's like, yeah, Monday through Friday, nine to five. It's like, uh, okay, well, I can't. Right. <laughs> we'll Literally not possible. Right. Yeah. Oh, a MetroCard. Thank you. Yeah. You know? Uh, it's so frustrating. Yeah. Karina, the intern, is probably <laughs> drafting an email to us right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's like, you bitches have never offered to pay me. <laughs> it's different. We pay you in diking out swag, Karina. Yeah. <laughs> One day we'll Karina, get Karina, do not unionize. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, well, yeah. wait, you're Canadian. I am. When did you move to the U.S.? September 2014. Okay, so not too long ago. Yeah. What... Um, would you say the dynamics... I, I moved from Canada when, when I was a kid, so would you say the dynamics around class and money are like a little bit less severe in Canada because you at least have um, health care for all? I mean, that makes a huge difference. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, uh, yeah, no, I didn't realize how good I had it. Yeah. And then coming here, it's just like, oh, I'm so fucked in every sense. Are your Um, parents here too, or are they still No, they're still, my parents live in Edmonton, so... Um, they're still up there cause they have common sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just, I just couldn't do what I wanted to do there. Yeah. So I'm here, um, oh, well, with it, no it, healthcare. <laughs> yeah. So, well, another thing too, and, uh, we have like a number of, uh, Canadian friends in the, mm-hmm. the industry, the cost of immigration stuff is insane. So this is another thing for people that are like, you know, people mm. need to to wait in line and blah, blah, blah. Like one, mm-hmm. the, the line is a myth. But two, mm-hmm. it's so insanely expensive, really expensive to be an immigrant here. Mm-hmm. To like the, the paperwork for a green card, like to have a, an immigration lawyer. It's not like immigration lawyers are like the yeah. cheap kind of lawyer. Like they still have to pay off their law school bills and yeah. they're still billing, you know, yeah. at, at high rates. And then just even if you do it yourself, like um, my wife did the, the paperwork herself mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. like a stack of like, 200 pages Mm -hmm. that you have to go through. Mm -hmm. It takes hours, Mm -hmm. hours of time. You better pray that you get it right because if you Mm -hmm. mess it up, then they like send it all back and you're having to, and and then even then it's like, you know, thousands of dollars without a lawyer, without a lawyer 
still thousands yeah. of dollars. Yeah, no, it's like to file a piece of paper with the government costs upwards of a thousand dollars, like one form. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you have to submit like tons of forms. Yeah. It's um, and then they turn around and use that money to do awful things to other immigrants, and you like have no control over it. It's like that's how they bankroll it. Um, It's a nightmare. It's honestly just a nightmare. It is. Yeah, Um, yeah. We we were considering moving uh, back to Canada at one point and moving to to Toronto, but like you said, the the opportunities there aren't the same as they are here. So we ultimately mm-hmm. decided to stay, but part of it was like realizing we, we'd have to forfeit the the green card process by, by going back there. And it's like, but we just paid this money yeah. <laughs> and like, no way we're just like yeah. handing over that money to the government for, for nothing. Like we are getting our, yeah. our green card. No. Damn it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there's so, ugh, there's so many things at, at play that so many people don't realize, mm-hmm. but then there, there are also like so many people in this country. I was having a, a conversation with a, a friend, a very talented friend, uh, Danae Hannah, uh, look her up. She's very funny. And also, um, did something called a debt free Danae where she paid off, um, all of her student loans and I think four years of like extreme budgeting in New Oof. York and kind of has like videos and tips on like how she uh, accomplished that. But she's um, been doing a lot of stuff in the financial field because of that and Mm -hmm. um, was telling me about how there are just like so many families that like they're just making money off their money and Mm -hmm. that you, if you have anybody who has like $2 million um, in savings can live off interest. Oh yeah. And like live a comfortable life with, without interest. And it's weird. Cause like, you know, when you live outside of New York, you're like $2 million, that's a lot of money. But then here it's like $2 million. That that's a house. Yeah. Like that's, that's a two bedroom apartment. Could, I was going to say, you might <laughs> yeah. be able to buy a two bedroom in, in Manhattan for that yeah. money. Yeah. yeah. And, and, Maybe and cover the condo too. fees. Yeah. yeah. It's it's insane. I mean, that doesn't make it like any more attainable for yeah. us, but like it doesn't seem like as big a number. But then you, but then it's like there are so many families who do have that amount of wealth, and like they're fine. And it's like w- once you get to that level, you're kind of like free, quote unquote. It is freedom. Yeah. But then, how will I ever get there? It's just never going to happen. Literally yeah, not going to happen. Because yeah. well, all like the way that they make money, it's like by the rest of us being right. in debt. And it's a system that relies mm-hmm. on how can we get people to finance stuff that they don't have the money for so that they are paying, you know, two, three times the price when all is said and done when they pay it off. And then these people are just making money off borrowed money. The whole thing is just, it, it's like the, it's the a shell scheme. It's the it's shell game yeah, of yeah. like something under and the guy on the street mm-hmm. and you're guessing, you know, mm-hmm. just the money's being moved around in ways that's leaving you. And it's completely <laughs> inaccessible to 99% to rich people. of people. Yeah. And then it's a crazy system. So, so we haven't tied this back to uh, well, lesbians, which you know I feel like we we have a mission statement yeah. to, to <laughs> do so. Do that. So, yeah. yeah, how does money come into play differently in queer relationships? Well, I have to say, if I wasn't queer, I don't know that I would have made it in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, because the first place that I lived was just like a dirt, cheap, big, queer communal house. Nice. And I feel like queer communal houses are like one of those like tiny capitalism hacks where it's like, we have this <laughs> yeah. house, we're going to like keep this house, we're going to keep it queer, and we're going to do like our best to keep it at the price point it's at now. 
Nice. Um, so shout out Casa. Um, and, you know, I think that in general, like, I'm going to say, like, queer people are more broke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, we just, I, I feel like, um, at least anecdotally, I don't have, like, statistics to back it up. But, um, yeah, my fra- straight friends are, like, you know, they have more money um, in general. And uh, I think... Is it the member dues that's killing you? <laughs> I don't. Part of the I don't. Yeah. I don't even. I don't know. Listen. Um, well, for for two women, yeah, uh, because mm-hmm. women do get paid uh, less than men, and then mm-hmm. when you break break it down in terms of like women of color and stuff, it's so like if you work that makes athletes, sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, that's that's why. Yeah, yeah. women to to men can be more, but like we also, um, it also affects access to jobs. I mean, we know yeah, that there yeah. are That's the thing. levels of discrimination in yes. certain industries that, that, and again, that is an intersectional thing. It's different for women of color and it's different for, uh, you know, men and women and, and, and people who are from other countries and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's if, you know, it's not, I mean, I work in the restaurant business where like everyone's a little gay, so that's fine. But generally it's like, it is, there are some industries that are like impossible for queer people to get into. I'm, I imagine finance is probably one of them. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Though Kim Stoltz from America's Next Top Model Cycle 5, maybe, true, yeah. uh, she, she left modeling and is now this like big investment banker at Bank of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, she's, but you can name her by name because she's like the one example. The one person. <laughs> you know, like, she's right. the one. Right. <laughs> the fact that you can the say that is, is, yeah. Well, that honestly, it's why it got so much attention because it's like, oh, you never see queer women this high mm-hmm. in finance. Uh-huh. It's like not, not really a thing. Uh-huh. Um, and, and then like so much of like the good old boys club, um, yeah. Like it's, you know, having these dinner parties where, you know, the men go and smoke cigars. Like you, yeah, I think that like, sounds dated, but that still, oh, no, that literally yeah. still happens. Yes. Um, yeah. I, and I mean, even, you even think of it like, um, in these big, you know, like high finance worlds and things. I mean, I work at a place where those guys are, you know, that's where they have fun is the place where I work. And you don't see even like a white gay man that with them, like they, not even one that can pass as one of them. Like that's not a, it's not a world that lets in anyone, but like, but like th- that lets in anyone really socially, but straight white men or yeah. straight conventionally very attractive white women. Like yeah. that's all mm-hmm. I ever see in these finance circles. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like some of these, you know, these jobs or these industries where there is an earning potential of a ton of money are basically not on paper, but they're you're kind of shut out mm-hmm. if you're if you're a queer person, especially a person of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I have to wonder if like industries that require you to actively fuck other people over, if queer people just aren't interested I, in that sort of I'm life. I'm like, you know? tell me why like every social worker is a queer woman. Like, yeah. I, did, I yeah. think that generally, like, yeah. we yeah. are like, okay, I don't know if I want to do that. I'm gonna orient myself towards something that feels productive in the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, that, that destroys your earning potential. So yeah. it's like, no one's making money, but we're like literally keeping the world going. Yeah. It costs a money lot of to ways. be a good person. It costs money to yeah. be a good person. Oh, so many school teachers. I oh know, my God. That are Every queer. teacher. Yeah. 
Yeah. So many gay teachers mm-hmm. just like barely getting an, enough money to, to survive. Yeah. Um, and I'm also really over all these like cutesy internet viral stories about like, oh, uh, uh, somebody on a plane, you know, crowd crowdsourced money for school supplies. It's like we shouldn't live in a world where you have to fucking set up a GoFundMe as a teacher to buy school supplies for your Awful. class. Like yeah. we shouldn't. These are not feel good. It's not a feel good moment to me when I read a story about someone you know, with a GoFundMe for a kidney transplant and it just happened to work and blah, blah, blah. It's like, this is, why are we crowdsourcing from each other? And it's always people who can barely afford it that are the ones donating. I mean, I fucking donate Mm -hmm. $10, $20 here Mm -hmm. when when I can to to strangers on the internet because I feel for them and I want to do it. Mm -hmm. It's always your broke friends that are the ones that are like more generous with their money. Yes. And the rich ones will Venmo request you for like a $2 fucking coffee. Yes. I I just PayPal'd um, the woman, I feel bad for forgetting her name, who scaled the Statue of Liberty. But when I saw she showed up for her court date with like a dress. Yeah, yes. with be best written across her ass. And like, I will absolutely hey, give pal. whenever I can. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Here's your $10. This is all I got. Yeah. But like, yeah. it'll go towards your lawyer or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Also, in terms of just like queer relationships, mm-hmm. like I know I've been in, um, well, one, like date dating is expensive. Ugh. And yeah. so yep. there, there's no like assumed thing that there's going to be a, a man paying for you for, for things. Right. So right. that kind of changes the way, mm-hmm. um, the way that you date. And a lot of times you go like half seas. But I remember like when, uh, Cecilia and I started dating, like I had just gone through a divorce and then I was like in, in my apartment, like now having to pay the the rent on my own mm-hmm. and I started dating someone and we were like doing all these things and spending all this money. And I was having like so much anxiety over yeah. mm-hmm. how much money, like being in a new relationship was, Oh, it's crazy. Was cost, costing yeah. me. And like, you know, luckily we're like two adults who communicate well and we're able to, <laughs> to yeah. kind of like have an honest conversation about it. But yeah, um, yeah just like also, just happened to to have the the luck where uh for various reasons in my relationships I'll be like the sole uh income earner mm-hmm. uh which again is another pressure as like a woman who isn't getting paid and is also like pursuing creative things mm-hmm. so I'm not like you know aggressively moving forward in my day job and like climbing up the ladder because I care more about this stuff yeah um, that I'm doing <laughs> Outside of work, yeah, um, and then having to to support on that kind of like lower salary, like, yeah, I it's don't a lot know. of pressure. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure to find yourself as like the one who is like paying for dates a lot. You know, like yeah. I experienced that in my relationship that I'm kind of that I'm getting out of right now. I'll just say it. Uh, but you know, I kind of put myself. That was my fault though, because I put myself in this position in the in the early parts where I would kind of just pick up everything and like I would take on all these responsibilities and then slowly we started sort of splitting the check usually but like yeah it took a little while for that to happen um but that's that sort of goes into like sort you know kind of gender roles and how those are and like I'm kind of a more masculine person yeah definitely the more masculine one in that relationship um Uh which is this weird way that like queer female relationships tend to take form sometimes and that has an impact on money sometimes too, where it's like you are kind of like the, the strong one that the one, Oh, I'll take the check. You know, Mm -hmm. like that's, it's, it comes down to like little things like that. Um, but yeah, that was, that's another, you know, dating is expensive. Breakups are expensive. Like my rent just doubled. So that sucks. But like, 
you, you know, it's, it's the number one reason to move in with someone. I mean, book. yeah, it really yeah. is like half the rent. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, that's the other, another thing too, that is like, it's daunting when you think about like getting back into that world. It's like, I don't know if I can fucking afford to. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. want to, but I, mm-hmm. I definitely, that's going to be a, you know, a big financial thing in mm-hmm. the future if I do, if and when I decide to get back into that. So yeah. Ugh. Anyway, yeah, America just, sucks and we're all broke. We're all broke. <laughs> I mean, we need to find like fun, cute, like free date things yeah. to do also. Like I feel like I just All the things I like I have are an expen- idea. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> a, a really good date is um just hanging out in your living room listening to Diking Out. Yeah. And <laughs> a really good date is uh aggressively telling all of your friends to listen to our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sending them links, yeah. tagging them on our Instagram. Right. That's a really good way Ugh. to share time with another <laughs> one. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'm going to get to, now that we're all depressed about it. <laughs> no, it's like, it's, it's this not. This rigged system. It's an important how topic impossible because. for us to climb out of. Yeah. But the bottom line is, if people were more honest in the workplace about how much money they're making, particularly if men would just say what they're yeah. making, yeah. that would influence it would absolutely influence employers to step up and start paying people a fucking living wage. Yeah. Like that's, that's what it comes down to is companies and a handful of people making decisions that ruin everyone at the, you know, at the expense of the people who are making the company run. Yeah. If you're a man, you absolutely 100% like it is your duty to tell your female colleagues how much you make. Yeah. Yeah. Just say it. To advocate for them. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not that hard. It's, it's really not, not. You are you are playing a low stakes game by simply disclosing to like your female peers, the women who are doing the same job that you are. Yes. Hey, just so you know, this is how much I make. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's literally all you have to do, mm-hmm. and then go from there. And it's come up like in some very like big ways, Hollywood mm-hmm. and Hollywood. Yeah, Michelle Williams. Yeah, I mean, some people that are leveraging their power to if you can use your own power and your own privilege as a as a wedge and yeah. drive it into this machine you can mm-hmm. do it but it starts with people who are perhaps performative allies becoming actual ones and just disclosing yeah. how much they make in their job and seeing what we can do to like get people doing the same thing that you're doing on your level because it's the other thing unfair. is I, I have to say um you know that thing that happens when people come up and they like get rich or they like make it bigger or whatever. And then they just like have amnesia about ever being broke yeah. or like ever <laughs> struggling. And they're just like, I don't, ew, you know, you're poor, get away from me. And yeah. it's like, that has to stop also. You hear yeah. that Kanye? Yeah. <laughs> Knock it off. And it's like, don't pull the ladder up behind you, you know, like yeah. help other people come up. No, don't give handouts. If you don't believe in that sort of thing, whatever. I hate the word handout, but like, Give Help people professionally give. come up. Whether if you have the if you have the financial leverage to like serve as you know kind of an or create like a creative incubator for people to offer some sort of like monthly or weekly stipend for creatives, do it because yeah. there are a lot of people in a position to do that who simply don't do it. Yeah, yeah. and that's why we get the same fucking same five guys in every single movie, and yeah. you know that's that's why we only have like a hand a small handful of women in every movie and every TV show. And that's it. And that, I, I think there are little things like we talked about, about like being just trying to be a little bit more open about talking about money and trying mm-hmm. to take the shame out of it. And yeah. especially like when you're dating and when you're in relationships or when you're talking like 
don't don't assume things mm-hmm. about people and their their money situation or like um like don't make those dick comments about like shaming a job you know without mm-hmm. knowing that like maybe yeah. maybe somebody's mom or dad was like a a janitor or something there's like zero wrong with doesn't that doesn't matter how you make your money yeah. yeah and like all those kind of digs at those kind of um professions mm-hmm. it's like it's, it's just tired. not good. Yeah. 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 It's, it's unhealthy mm-hmm. when like, meanwhile, the same person making that dig might be in like $80,000 worth of debt right. and mm-hmm. probably should be yeah. sweeping a floor somewhere for yeah. extra money. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. We're going to, we're going to wrap this up and get into a listener question before we go. Um, this came from a listener who recently came out in her, I think she's 35. Yes. Okay. Cool. Uh, do you think it's unfair to my future girlfriend to get in the dating pool before my divorce is finalized with my soon to be ex-husband? We are stuck cohabitating for now due to pricey living in the LA area. Mm -hmm. I like how this ties into the episode. Okay. Mm -hmm. My straight friend said I shouldn't date. Don't listen to your straight friends. Uh, (laughs) say I shouldn't date. Um, until I don't live with my ex anymore. But who knows when that will be? Uh, I have no interest in dating men at all anymore. I'm only into girls. Uh, as stated previously, I'm 35 and a baby lesbian. And I feel like uh, I finally accept realize what I've always wanted. And I don't want to wait for my life to appear more single before. Don't you know. waste any time. Go for it. I mean... Don't Honestly. waste time, but also be very clear with yeah. all parties involved yeah. what's yes. going on, yeah. and you know, make sure you have boundaries around yeah. your home and your dating life. If your if your husband or your soon to be ex husband is okay with if he's not going to do anything crazy or make you feel unsafe or something, I don't know the circumstances there, but if yeah. you're both honest with each other, it's like, listen, we live together because of X Y reasons. He probably would like to date too, so mm-hmm. like, you know, mm-hmm. just be honest with everybody. Be honest up front, though. Don't do the thing that lesbians do where you fall in love really quickly. I mean, that's going to happen anyway, but like, don't let that happen. And then drop the bomb. Like, Oh, I live with my ex. Like if, as long as you're clear as day with everyone, yeah, then it's okay. Most people won't mind. It's obviously not a situation where you're like still pining after your ex or anything like that. Um, but you also need to be understanding that it could be uncomfortable for, for that other person. So mm-hmm. like, you know, if she doesn't want to come over to your place, that is understandable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just make sure like you're communicating and being sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't think like just because you told her up front that it excuses anything related to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but us women are good at being mindful about things you would hope. So, yeah. um, be honest, set boundaries. I agree. I, I had a friend who um, was dating a woman who actually was divorced and living with her her ex husband um, because they had kids and like still mm-hmm. hadn't figured out like selling the house or, or what they were doing next. And the husband would kind of make uncomfortable jokes about threesomes. Like, so make sure you threaten your ex. Yeah, and tell him if he ever. <laughs> Don't makes a threesome a joke, you will castrate him in his sleep. <laughs> That's probably the first step in all this. Right, right. Um, threaten castration. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> that's all <me. laughs> Oh, that's great. No, go forth and conquer. Just do it, girl. baby dyke. Get out there, but be go honest. Go for it. <laughs> all right. Um, Muna, where can people follow you online and read your awesome articles? You have so many interesting articles. When I was doing research, I was like, bookmark, 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 like scan, yeah. scan. Um, I'm usually on Twitter. So I think my handle is just at Muna, M-U-N-A underscore Meyer, M-I-R-E. 
Great. Yeah. And um, you can subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. Uh, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter and all that good stuff. Diking out. Send us questions either through social media or uh, dikingout at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. And um, oh, give to our Patreon because we were just talking about money. Yes. And for podcasts God's sake. are expensive. <laughs> all right. Uh, Patreon.com slash striking out. And there's swag on there. That's it. Thank out with okay. us next week. Bye. Bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.